Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Winning in Life Without Losing Your Mind podcast. I'm Dustin, your host, and I want to take just a minute before we get started in this and let you know how you can follow all the content that I'm releasing right now. Obviously, on all audio podcast platforms, this show is available weekly. If you're hearing this for the first time, I'd love for you to subscribe and share this with your friends. Please rate and review. That also really helps. All of these podcast episodes are also available in video formats on my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Please subscribe for free there and ring the bell for notifications of each video that drops throughout the week. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find me at Dustin Peed. And lastly, every week I send out a free newsletter of curated content and inspiration for you in each of the five topics that I cover. If you would like exclusive content, you can join that paid subscription to the newsletter for as little as $8 a month for an additional member-only benefits on Substack. Now to the show. Welcome back to Five Questions With. I'm your host, Dustin Peed. Um, we have with us today someone that I'm super excited to share with you. You know, we've had some some guests already in the mental health field. And today, uh, it's my honor to, to introduce you to one of, uh, I've had several counselors in my life, but two, uh, two counselors in my life specifically have kind of changed the game for me. And the first one being our guest with us today, Brad Dobson. Brad is um, uh, an incredibly humble, uh, gentle, spirit and an incredible counselor i can tell you from experience he's uh, been a licensed mental health uh he's been licensed mental health and uh, uh an addictions counselor for the past 14 years he's worked in uh, k-12 drug court community mental health college counseling graduate undergraduate teaching uh, and private practice and his primary clinical focus is addictions grief and mood disorders and not to get like super uh, deep with y'all, but I know that one of the things that Brad introduced me to that changed the game for me, this is for another day, another time, I didn't have this on our on our questions, um, was uh, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, CBT was huge for me. Uh, and so if you want to dig into that some more, I'll, I'll show you some ways to get uh, in touch with Brad at the end of our time together. But Brad, welcome. Thank you so much for being here, man. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for having me, Dustin. Um, so we're going to get started right out the gate. Um, I asked very similar questions to a previous guest, Dr. Jerome, uh, but I want—I I love the difference—the uh, difference in practice and the difference uh, in experience that that you have with my previous guests. And so I'm going to ask very similar questions because I think it's going to stir up some some different answers. And so my first question to you uh, is pretty simple, but maybe. A little deep and that's who should be paying attention to their mental health and why <clears throat> yeah and that's that's the million dollar question in it is so yeah i look at who should be paying attention from the standpoint of um functioning mm. so you're going to recognize you're going to see and notice in your life when your mental health is <clears throat> um, not working 
in the way that it should. Okay? Yeah. When it's out of balance, everything about our body is the pursuit of homeostasis, the pursuit of balance. Yes. And when your mental health is out of balance, you're going to see that dysfunction. Yeah. Whether it be a, a thought disorder issue that can kind of uh, have a domino effect into your mood and behavior issues, yeah. or whether you have a family history that involves maybe more of a severe psychosis or addiction that presents itself that way. But it's, it's always about functioning. And the reality is we, we over pathologize right now because mental health is so um, trendy as, as a topic. We yeah. over pathologize way too much. Mm. You know, the fact that the antidepressants being prescribed are producing, I mean, tens of billions of dollars in revenue. Yeah. We over pathologize. So it's really recognizing like, when is it uh, a clinical issue and when is it a normal mood state that is, is mm. what we consider maybe episodic yeah, and situational. And we just don't know how to cope. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense what you're saying. So I, if I hear you right, you're saying like everybody should be paying attention to it. It's just a matter of, is this a temporary, is it circumstantial Right. Uh, is it just, hey, I'm, I'm having a rough day, right, which we all have? Or is it um, a pattern um, that you find you can't get yourself out of? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So, for example, um, you know, something I think many people have heard me say before is like we, we've misused the language. We, we don't we don't go around telling people that they are fibromyalgic as a slur, but we do say they're bipolar. Mm. And the reality is just because a person's moods change rapidly or they have a bad day does not mean that they are bipolar. Hmm. And so uh, understanding the criteria that go into discerning when it's a clinical issue, when it's more of a maybe a relationship issue or a poor coping issue, um, that's incredibly important because you don't just throw a medicine at uh, an issue that's not clinical. Mm. So it, it's unfortunate we, we misuse the language. And I think that's probably one of my big, biggest goals professionally is to educate people on the difference between a clinical issue and um, maybe a more situational one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, my second question is, uh, what are the signs that someone may need help? Right. We've established like, hey, it, it, this, this could be a pattern. It could be episodic. It could be circumstantial. But if you're if what are the signs if people are kind of self-evaluating, what are the signs that they can kind of be looking out for to say, yeah, I think I need to talk to someone. I think I need to speak with my doctor, et cetera. Absolutely. <clears throat> Along those same lines of functioning, one of the first things to go is um, social. So when people begin to isolate, that's one of the, the precursors to so many of the other criteria that we're looking for. Yeah. Because once people begin to isolate, what do they do with themselves? They ruminate uh, mentally. They, they, they cycle through the same dysfunctional thoughts a lot of times because they don't have any other interaction. Mm. Or they self-medicate oh. with food or they starve themselves, which produces that lack of... Um, either weight gain or weight loss. And then if they're 
not exercising and they're isolating, then they have an increased risk of becoming apathetic and losing motivation or interest in other things as they uh -huh. further isolate. Wow. And uh, it just becomes this uh, snowball effect. So I, I'd say the early onset warning sign is I just don't want to go do things anymore which was a real problem during the pandemic because people were forced to isolate for a period of time. Right. And a lot of people struggled to re-engage culture and community. And that's where we see a ton of social anxiety right now, especially in youth. Yeah. Um, but that's the early onset. When you really start to think of like, do I need to go see my doctor? It would be you know, what's my level of irritability? How is it impacting my relationships? What are people giving me feedback about uh, a short temper or not being as productive as I was, not meeting those deadlines at work or relationally? Then, like, if it's really starting to impact those multiple areas of functioning, I really probably should go look at talking to my doctor because medication is about functioning. Medication does not um, solve any mental health disorder, even from wow. schizophrenia. If we think about the medication treatments such as like Invega, which is um, an injectable, which is uh -huh. the preferred method for schizophrenia because they're so prone to forgetting to take their medicine. Having a medication that lasts for a month, it's injectable. Um, it's solely about reducing those positive symptoms of hallucinations. Mm. Okay, it's, it's just about functioning. It does not resolve the illness, it's solely about functioning. That's what medication is really about. And then that's why I'm such an advocate for people to not only take a medication when it's clinically appropriate, but they really need to pursue counseling yeah. to figure out like, what are those other things um, that I need to change within my control socially um, from self-perception standpoints or trauma backgrounds and medication is not going to change any of that. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good answer. There's so many things in there to, to unpack maybe a section where the person watching right now needs to just kind of go scroll back a couple of minutes and just re-listen to what you said there about isolation. And, and one thing I want to point out about isolation too, uh, many people that may be watching this may find themselves, uh, in a healthy place right now mentally but they also may have other people in their lives that are struggling mentally. And I think the things that you listed for us are not just self warning signs, but they're, they're also can serve as warning signs to those that we care about and those that we want to say, Hey, I noticed, um, you don't answer your phone anymore. I noticed that you don't come out, hang out with us anymore. I noticed that you spend most evenings at home, alone and and just start to kind of go okay i see this isolation pattern in you combined with uh i know you you know if you know this person well you probably may know that they have experienced uh whether it be mild or severe some sort of trauma or big shift in their life and you go i'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of do a math equation here in my head and say i know this about you i know that the way you're acting right now is not normal for you plus you're isolating yourself um, I, I want to help you get help. Um, what is, if, if, if there's a person watching this right now who, who needs to give a tool to their friend or they need a tool themselves, I, I love how practical, uh, your counseling was when I was with you and I lived in Indiana because like most men, 
uh, we just want to be told what to do. Like, just <laughs> like, just tell, like, just don't, don't like, how does that make you feel? I don't care. <clears throat> just tell me, <laughs> I don't care how it makes me feel. If you tell me that walking three steps that way every day is going to make me feel better then I'm going to walk three steps that way every day. So if you could just give for the people like me that are listening right now, could you just share one tool that we can use today to be healthier mentally than we were yesterday. <clears throat> okay. So you, you, you framed it in two parts at the beginning for the individual and for others. Um, yeah. For self, there's so much value in putting pen to paper mm, that's to, so good. to stop just um, making theoretical plans in our head and all, all that stuff put pen to paper with, especially for men. Yeah. What is the specific issue? Like what's define the problem? What's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> what am I even dealing with? Yeah. And, and, and maybe it's just a brainstorming, like it's, yeah, this isn't going right at work. Yeah. This isn't going right in relationships or yeah, this isn't going right in this friendship. But like, ultimately is it boiled down to I'm still grieving something or, um, I'm not taking care of myself. Like, yeah. we, like exercise is the greatest antidepressant we mm. know of. Like that is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but really put pen to paper to, to identify the problem. Because one of the big issues with counseling is in the beginning, we try to identify what is a treatment goal. And so many people are like, well, I don't really know. I just want, I want to feel better. And it's mm. very broad and desperate yeah. because that's usually the point, especially men come to therapy if they're desperate. Yep. Um, will actually come to it with an identifiable goal. Like I want to learn how to open up more. I want to learn how to trust again. I want to learn how to not be so bitter and angry, like be as specific as possible and mm -hmm. be honest with yourself. I mean, that, and that translates so well to uh, addiction work because that that's my absolute expertise. It's the first step, you know, it, it's that, that first step is, we admit to ourselves that those first couple words are what's important. It's, it's not about your life being unmanageable. It's not about a power having or a substance having a power over you. It's about the first two words we admit we're honest with ourselves. And that, that is the foundation of any type of therapeutic work you can do is mm. be honest with yourself first about yeah. what needs to be done. Wow. Yeah. I imagine too, that there are men listening or watching this right now and they're thinking like, I wouldn't even know what to write. And I love yeah, towards the end of your explanation there, you said, hey, even if it's just a couple of words, just get the first few words out. I would even argue too, because this is a practice that I use, especially when I begin to feel overwhelmed. Uh, and I'm trying to make it even more a part of my regular uh, everyday life. Um, there's a book that I've been reading called The Artist's Way. And Julia Cameron talks about morning pages and being just three pages of writing straight out of your uh, you know, just consciousness, just, just going, just letting the pen go for three pages in your journal. If your journal is as big as a field note, which is like the size of your hand, or if your journal is like this big, you whatever I cheat, I got mine's like this big, but, <laughs> but either way, three pages of that still takes me some time. But man, I feel so much. I feel like my shoulders drop at the end of it. And I, if you could read my morning pages, you would, you would read sentences like, I don't even know if this is working. I feel ridiculous right now. I can't tell 
yeah, which way is up or down. I don't really know what this is supposed to be, you know, like all the doubts and I'm just emptying all the doubts. And what I notice is that throughout the day, I'm not walking around with those doubts because I emptied them out already. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would challenge the men too to go, even if you don't write full sentences, like dudes love lists, right? Make a list of everything that's bothering you. Every and then and then next to that, put the feeling that is that you associate with. That's going to be a little bit harder, right? It's going to be easy, maybe, to just kind of write down uh, my neighbor ticks me off, right? Okay. Well, what about your neighbor ticks you off? And then go on, and then go on, and then go on deeper. And then by the time you sit down with somebody like Brad, you kind of have like a here's the problem, <laughs> you know. Oh, that uh, stuff's like treasure to us. Yeah. 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 Help me fix it. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I've, I've been leaning more so on the men uh, conversation uh, only because in my research in the last six, 12 months or so, people have been telling me um, wh- whether, whether it's men that have gone through uh, counseling or it's, uh, women who wish their men would go through counseling, um, is that it needs to become more normal for men to talk about their mental health. It's easy for a dude to leave the gym, you know, all swole up and be, and talk about how many reps he did in the gym, but it's not as easy for him to talk about what's going on up here. And so I would love for you to just kind of share with us briefly, why do you think as a professional that it's so imperative that men specifically talk about their mental health? I would say that's a loaded question. I know. Yeah. It's imperative for men because there's a responsibility for men to lead especially from a family standpoint. And I think um, for some reason, there's been this cultural abdicating of roles. Yeah. Um, And I think men should not feel guilty to lead. And there's this hesitancy that that men have presented, at least in my clinical work. And so I think it's imperative that men understand that in order to lead, they have to be healthy. Yeah. And I love your, your examples of free writing and things like that, because you're right. All of that stuff that is potentially going to be written down, if you don't get it out, it's just going to cycle inside you. Yeah. Men in particular, we have to get it out. Yeah. And it's, it's just the gonna... mouse on the wheel, right? The hamster on the wheel. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, if we don't get it out, we're going to try and drown the hamster with kind of self-loathing, self-criticism or a substance or something else. So I think that's, that's a responsibility that men need to own the Mm -hmm. role. As we talk about women that are encouraging their men to um, pursue counseling or something, I think about, I heard someone describe how, how do you know a man has done some good self-care work if his wife opens up to him and she's vulnerable and her emotions are coming out a a man that has done his work is not going to make excuses of such as like well i did this or that or i tried to figure this he's just going to listen 
Mm. He's going to validate what she's doing because he understands that that's what she needs. How do you know that a woman has done her, her work if a man is truly courageous enough to be vulnerable with his wife? And you'll know if she's done her work, if she doesn't belittle him or criticize him or feel uncomfortable with him being vulnerable in his emotions. Yeah. And, and to, norm, to, to validate and normalize it, it's okay. And so I think it goes both ways that, you know, women need that love, men need that respect. Mm. And so we can't just call on men to say, yeah, go get counseling, go get fixed. No, no, no. There comes a responsibility at home as well to, to validate that a, being vulnerable is okay for a man, even at home, not just in a room where it's confidential, where you come home fixed, which wow. you're never fixed. Yeah. Yeah. That actually is my last question uh, to you today, because that's the question that I get so many times as people are talking to me and they're beginning to, they're beginning to open up to me about their mental health journey, or they're just getting started on it. And they're just, they will say things like, I just want to be fixed mm. or uh, maybe I'm so broken that I don't think I could ever be fixed, uh, or how do I just get fixed? And so my last question with you today that I want to leave people on is, is when, when are you fixed? Is that even a real timeline? Is that a real thing to arrived at fix? And if so, how do we get there? <laughs> Good luck. Uh, yeah. it, it's kind of like that old Maslow hierarchy of needs idea. Like I meet my needs at the foundation and then I work up to get more needs met and more needs met without ever pursuing the idea of self-actualization because you're never done. You will never be self-actualized. Um, the question is, are, am I meeting my needs and am I meeting them in a healthy way so that I can invest in others well? I would say that the healthiest man or woman is one that loves well. Hmm. Okay. Why, um, it's a follow-up question. Why would you say that we can never be self-actualized? What, what is, what does that look like? <laughs> to have full and complete completion of purpose. What comes after that? Mm. Nothing but disappointment. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay. we see, we see this with people that are super high achievers. Um, when you have reached the absolute pinnacle of your profession or expertise, yeah what more is there? Yeah. Tom Brady syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm talking about Tom Brady to a guy in Indianapolis. Uh, right. The <laughs> internally disappointing at this point. <clears throat> oh man. I could talk to you about this stuff all day long. It's such gold. And I think it's going to help so many people, Brad, thank you for, for just your time and your vulnerability and willing and openness to, to just chat with a, uh, a handful of people that are going to see this. Um, I, I want to let, um, I do want to let everybody know where they can find uh, Brad, if you want to hear more, or I know I have several friends that are in the Indianapolis area. If you want to see Brad, you can find him uh, at dobsoncounseling.com. It's his website. And then uh, at Dobson counselor on Instagram, which he assured me is not, uh, always up to date, but <laughs> I'm sure you can still reach him there. <laughs> the biggest thing with the, the Instagram stuff is an organization that I partner with and I volunteer with uh, being two, eight mm. ministries. And we did a 30 days of recovery series and all those videos. If somebody is just exploring yes. recovery or, um, wants to review their recovery, there's a, there's a short video for every single day for 30 days yes. that will just 
speak truth and love to to the reality and um, the struggles of it. Yeah, I totally forgot about that, but I remember watching several of them and going, "Man, I miss my sessions with Brad because it was so, it was so so good." So yeah, check that out. Instagram at Dobson Counselor. You can just go back and watch those every day uh, for thirty days. Brad, thank you so much for being a part of this again. It's just yeah. been such an honor for me to have you on here uh, and to have this conversation with you and to and to begin this dialogue with many people who need to begin the dialogue. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So that's uh, all today for five questions with you can. Uh, I would love it if you would subscribe uh, to this YouTube channel that you're on right now and just ring the bell. That would help me out a ton. You can find out more about uh, all five areas um, that I'm exploring over at DustinP.com. Uh, I would highly encourage you to check that out. And we're going to drop one of these five questions with uh, interview videos every single Thursday. Uh, so we have some really awesome people lined up like Brad, and we can't wait to share that with you. So uh, until next time, I'll see you next time on uh, five questions with. <laughs>